Hey soccer friends, I just want to give a shout out to our partner, Team Player. They are changing the game on how you find the perfect soccer team for your player. Parents, this means no more endless social media scrolling to find information on teams. With Team Player, everything you need to know is just a few clicks away. It's simple, straightforward, and lets you find the best coach and team for your player without any of the usual headaches. And coaches, we all know how tough it can be to get your team noticed, but when you subscribe to one of Team Player's team plans, you instantly get access to set up an online team profile that allows you to reach more potential players and showcase what your team is all about. It's super easy and lets players and parents see why your team could be the right fit for them. And if you sign up using the promo code PITCH, you can try any team plan free for one month. So whether you're managing a team or searching for one, come on over to www.teamplayer.us. That is T-E-A-M-P-L-A-Y-R dot U-S. And come give Team Player a look. Hey, welcome back to Chat by the Pitch. This is Ian Babcock, your host. This week, it's part two for Aces Soccer Club with Ben and Jordan. Like I said, this is a multi-part. We had lots of material to go with. I left it all in order and just ended up me talking. This episode, I do apologize for my hype dad, me and me, for my son, Landon. He is a great little soccer player, and I'll always hype him up. But what Ben and Jordan talked about in this episode is great to hear, so... Let's get this episode started, so let's start the chat and head to the pitch. Now, Jordan, you talked about talking to players and really holding, putting their feet to the fire, so to speak. And what age, and Ben, you can chime in on this, this has been a conversation I've had with several um clubs now what age do you guys recommend the conversation go from parent-led to player-led then since we're leading into the slot into the tryout season now you know i think it's um i think it's once once they hit high school um is when it becomes really really important because i think those those four years to prepare for college i mean for for the kiddos especially that want to go and play in college um, I think once they hit that freshman year of high school, it's important that they're leading the conversations with their coach. Um, you know, I'll use my 08 team, for example. It's one of the things we talked about in one of our last meetings where, um, you know, I want if, if a player is not going to be at a practice, I'd like for them to give me a call, not the parent anymore. Um, you know, and, uh, um, you know, I think uh, I, I think that responsibility coming onto the player uh, really means a lot. and it helps them find their own voice. Um, and when you start thinking about the fact that right at 16 years old, the college recruitment process starts going to showcases and all that, um, you know, college coaches don't want to talk to parents. They want to talk to players. Um, so if the players at that point don't have the ability to talk, um, you know, themselves and don't have the ability to to communicate with their coach, um, you know, the, for me I, the, for, and from my understanding of it, it's 
it, it makes it difficult for a college coach to really commit to a player at that point. You know, they want to have conversations with them. They want to be able to connect with them socially as well. So um, if, if if that's not something they can do, then it, it might be something that, that, you know, causes them to go away from a player. So, yeah, um, for me, I think it's freshman year um, would be would be my thought process, Ben. What was your um, what was your story about having to text coach Sammy? Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, so, uh <laughs> I was when I was a freshman in high school. I remember I got an ankle injury, and um, uh, you know I was fine. I went the whole day at high school, walking around perfectly fine. But man, I was tired after a long day, and I didn't want to go to practice. So I told my mom that my ankle was still bothering me, and she told me she says, "Okay, well you're gonna have to call Coach Sammy." And uh, man, the idea of lying to Coach Sammy because I knew I was fine. You know, the idea <laughs> of lying in that moment was too much. So. I put the phone down and said, okay, fine, I'll go to practice and, and off I went. So no, I mean, you know, and again, you know, I think putting that responsibility on the player at that point really, you know, helps them, you know, understand what, what to do and what not to do. And I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for my mom for putting me in a situation where, you know, I would have to be the one to answer for it. She wasn't going to have my back there, you know, and uh, uh, it, it taught me a lot. Now I'm going to regress a little bit farther back. So what age, because this is, I listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and one of the first ones that really struck home with me was um, Keem Barkley. I don't know if you guys know the name. He's out of Tennessee, and he coaches at a junior college. But he, in one of his episodes, he interviewed someone, and I can't remember where they were from, but they were from the UK, I pretty, I'm pretty sure. And in the interview, he talks about what age do you make the kids pack their own bags? And... The coach said about nine or 10 years old, and he goes, they need to start learning to pack their stuff to get themselves ready. As coaches and directors of coaches that you guys are, do you guys have something you guys similar do with that type of stuff? Because the story, the other side of the story is, is that that play, that same player packed his brother's left cleat and his left cleat because they were the same cleats. And so he wore two, the coach says, no, you're wearing your two, the two left cleats. Because you didn't pack your bag correctly. The coach later on said the kid never packed his bag incorrectly ever again. Because the parents were willing to go back home to go get the cleats. But I, I find that to be a very teachable moment. And I having a very young, I have a nine-year-old child and a five-year-old child. Um, and now we're at the stage with my my nine-year-old. We're like, you need to start packing your stuff. Like, we can't hold your hand anymore. So what what advice do you give parents then for these younger teams? Jordan, you have a 2014, so you you understand my my predicament here. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I I, I tell I tell my 2014s that they should be packing their own bag as well. And you know, uh, I, I I I you know, it, and it's kind of interesting how you do it, player to player. You know, there's some of them I'll poke fun at them and uh, uh, you know and, and say like, why why is your mom holding your bag for you? You know, why why aren't you carrying your own bag? You know, and uh, and where's your water? I, I always ask them, where's your water bottle? Oh, my mom has it. Well, why don't you have it? Does your mom need your water bottle, or do you need your water bottle? You know, and uh, um, and, and little things like that. And no, I think what it what it speaks to is I think it speaks to a discipline that if you develop it early you know, later on in life, you know, those, those, those methods and, 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 and going through your preparation process yourself, it really helps you even getting into games. I mean, one of the disciplines I'm getting my 14s into right now is when you walk to the fields, you line up your bags, you make it look nice, you know, you put your water by your bag, you're organized so that, you know, when you step onto the field, you've gone through all your check boxes already. There's no chaos up in your head. And now you can just focus, focus on the task of playing the game. 
um, you know, it, it was uh, it was a discipline Sammy instilled in me as a player. And, um, you know, it's it's, again, one of those things that, you know, I, I like to be able to pass on to to younger aces teams now. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I, I definitely do at that age, you know, pack your own bag, make sure you have all your stuff. You know, one of the questions we'll ask them is, did you bring your other uniform? Because you know it if you don't have that other uniform, especially at, in, at the academy ages, man. That's how you end up playing goalie. <laughs> so. I've never heard that one before. That's a good one. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> that, I, it's hard to put an age on it, right? But, I mean, I'm just, in, in, in terms of kind of evaluations and, and player evaluations, I always, even even from the youngest age, I always want it to be coming kind of, from the player right and you know parents will have their questions and you can speak to the player in a different way but you know when I start the evaluation I really want to speak to the the player even even you know the six seven year olds and you ask them you know because it gets them thinking right and you can ask them you know where do you think you need to improve what are the what are the two areas you want to improve on and and the the more you do that at the younger age you know you're never going to get the the best answers most of them are going to be you know all the school goals (laughs) something like that but you know, I think, you know, right from right from the start, I think as you 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 make sure you're kind of giving the player the opportunity, and some obviously mature at different times, and um, but I think always having having that option um, is is good, and you know, it's never if you just there's a lot of times where you know you could just speak to the parents and the kids there, and you're talking about the kid, but they're right there, and it, it I, I never think it's kind of feels right, so I always you know have have a conversation with a parent maybe without the kid but also have the evaluation to start with at least with with the player and um, give them the opportunity to try and kind of think for themselves and and not not dad or mum telling them what what they need to work on but it's actually you know coming from them so I won't I mean having I can only relate to my what my circumstances are because I'm new to this whole thing and I'm young in the process and but having a young kid I think it's having mom and dad telling him what he needs to work on is completely different than having the coach yeah I mean Landon was channel I mean this is one of my favorite stories and when we when I go and ask coaches questions and this is coming up to it is I ask certain questions that are direct and my question I always ask is about creativity because I feel I've seen too many joystick coaches in my time, in my short time, either coaching or trying out for teams. And I always ask about creativity because my son, he watches all these fancy soccer videos and him and I have spent a lot of time talking like those are cool, but they aren't practical. And you need to have your three to five skills and mastering of two of those skills for sure. And he was challenged one week by a coach with inside of his club to learn to do a rainbow. And this kid spent two hours every day learning to do a rainbow. And I was his the co-coach at the time. And I'm like, go for it, but learn how to do it. I'm, I'm going to allow this coach to challenge you. And it wasn't the, like, he bribed him with an autographed soccer ball and a bunch of other stuff. It wasn't the stuff. It was being challenged and pushed to be creative. And using it at the right moment. And you're talking about a kid that was seven at the time, maybe six and a half, when this all went down. And 
He spent two hours. He spent ten, over 10 hours and he could do it six to seven times proficient, proficiently in a row without making a mistake, getting the ball from behind him, in front of him, and go and running. And that was the stipulation I gave him as his parent. Like, if you're going to do this in a game, you have to do it, be successful at least five times. And he did it. And then we got to a game and he was nervous to do it because he didn't want to have a goal scored because he did something like this. I'm like, no, do it. Be creative. That's an extreme case. But how do you advise parents or players to be creative without taking creativity away? Or is it something that you guys foster in a different avenue? Yeah, um, I, I think uh, one of the biggest things that we do as a club is we teach decision making and that ultimately, you know, us as the coach, we can give you the framework and the library, but ultimately every decision in soccer is different. So you you can't be a robotic player that just does what your coach says because you're missing the point of the entire game. Right. So, um, you know, one of the one of the things that a, a few of the parents of, uh, of my group have pointed out recently is that they're very interested in the fact that one of my biggest coaching points that they hear me yell out onto the field is what do you see? <laughs> you know, and because, uh, uh, you know, ultimately you uh, from outside of the field, it's so easy to see what needs to happen inside of the field. Right. But, you know, as a player, I mean, especially at, at, at the young ages, it's, it's easy to be a joystick coach because the kids are so close. Now, 11 v 11 is a different game, bigger field. And now your voice won't carry that far. So if, if at that age, you're, the, the kids haven't learned properly how to make decisions themselves, that's where you see them struggle. So um, no, I, I think uh, I think having a having a system like ours where you know everything is centers around the kids making the decisions themselves, it, it breeds that creativity quite naturally. Um, and uh, and yeah, that, I guess that would be my point on that. Yeah, um, and also jumping on on what on Joe said and kind of what we discussed beforehand, right? These academy teams that we have, the the process that we go through of of you know not all about the result right away you know if you're if you're pressured by your coach at these young ages to you guys have to win you you know you need to win this game you need to beat this team now kids are going to be like right like your son i don't want to make a mistake in the game right I, like i'm going to get shouted at if i make a mistake or i'm going to let my team down we're going to lose or you know whereas if it's much more of a you know go and try what you need to in training you know express yourselves you know the result will be the result, but we want to get better individually as a team. Now, if you're looking at it like that, it's going to be much more of a, I think players are much more willing now to take risks and learn and, and implement what they've, they've done in training into this uh, environment. And now later on down the road, as they're older and, and games become kind of more promotion relegation, they, they're kind of ingrained into that confidence of, of how to play beforehand. But if you kind of put it down to the result right right from the start and it's it's the number one thing um then you know you do limit i think creativity with players because they're more worried about making that mistake than um than trying new things and you're never gonna you're never gonna get good at stuff if you don't try it in a game you can do it in training all, all the time but if you don't implement it to the game then then it's pointless almost learning right so um you know that that being said like like i said we're not not here, not not wanting to win. You know, you still want to win, of course, and you you want to, but it's not you know the primarily focus of those young ages, which I think helps them be more creative and um, and really kind of experiment with with certain things. And um, I, I hope to, that it makes more creative players down down the road for sure. I I think it would. I, I agree with what you're saying. So yeah, 
having the opportunity not to be scared or I guess scared is the right word or embarrassed if you make a mistake as a player that they're going to be encouraged to continue trying whatever they tried before to try yeah. again. I find this very fascinating just because you guys have talked about it quite a bit, development, development, development. So in those younger ages where you guys are, the outcome is the success is winning um, with development. So if you guys are in a big game, a rivalry game in the academy level, would you yeah. guys had a player that hasn't had enough minutes? Would you guys put them in if you guys were, if it was a draw at the time, or would you guys strive for that win or put the player in so he can get those touches and those heat moments? Yeah, we, we have a, um, a 50% rule, um, in, in Academy, um, where every player has to play at least 50% of the game. And that's, that's kind of now obviously there's certain circumstances if they're injured or um if they're sometimes late to a game whatever and you're trying to enforce you know the more the message certain things but you know it the majority of the time you know if a player's there or and then is, is, is doing the right things and yeah 50 percent of the game it doesn't matter kind of who we're playing what that game's for in academy ages you know you're not getting promoted you're not getting relegated our coaches are not when we don't we don't go in and critique our coaches on and look at results, right? If I'm going to watch a game, if Jordan or Samuel, we're going to watch games. We're we're looking at, you know, from last time. Where I've put a few notes down. Are they now progressing into to doing these certain things and these certain things? So, so yeah, you know, these these players are are going to play fifty percent of of every game, um, no matter kind of how it's how it's going to be now obviously there's still going to be players that, that play more minutes than others but um you'll you'll at least have the 50 percent rule um that's that's enforced and because at the end of the day you just never know how how players are going to develop and and players develop at different times and if you're holding someone back in these academy ages and, and barely playing them in these big games and how is it gonna how is it gonna work out for them later on when they're now under a pressure situation for a big game and they're, they're not exposed to it so um, yeah, no, like I say, we always want to win these games. Of course we do, but there's a, there's a bigger, more important, important kind of looking down the road and looking, looking four or five years down the road to, to success than, than right now in these academy times. And I think it helps of, of being the coaches of, of knowing that if you're the coach that goes all the way through that you're, you're now looking more into the long term than the short term. And, you know, if you have a coach that's, just yearly kind of the same age group. Now they're thinking, well, well, this is my age group. This is the team where I need to win. So it's much more short-term looking. Whereas if you've now got a coach that's with with them for four or five years, you're making these decisions now for those four or five years down the road. And, um, you know, that's kind of our philosophy for it. And, you know, of course we get push back with parents sometimes where they're like, well, Hey Mike, what, why have we just made a substitution now? And we, we could have, we could have won that game by more, or we could have, you know, not lost that game. We could, but you just, you know, it's hindsight at the end of the day and you, you're looking for the, the, the greater goal and, um, and the bigger picture. And of course we always want to win and we're trying to prepare our teams, teams to win. But, um, like we've been talking about, it's it's much more of the bigger picture and the long term success for for the player and and for the team. So, um, so yeah, you'll 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 find us 
in those academy sides doing doing the fifty percent rule for sure. Then as they progress, it's based on effort and workload, and not to be mean to kids that aren't that don't have natural talent or more talent than others. I feel like natural talent only takes you so long, and effort and everything else goes much farther. So as they progress, I'm assuming minutes are based on a player that will give you 80%, 100% of the time than a player that will give you 100% of the t- 100% effort, 50% of the time type of mentality. Yeah, and, and also, you know, we don't really want to, we don't take on players that, you know, that we, we, we don't trust or don't, you know, don't want to, don't see a kind of a clear thing anyway. So, you know, it's not like we're just chucking somebody in there for the sake of chucking somebody in there, right? There's... Um, you know the the team and the rosters that we've got uh, at all levels are are players that these coaches have you know have, have chosen to be a part of that team. So, um, you know, I, I don't. Yeah, of course, you're in any team you get. There's going to be the better players and the and the not so good players. But you know, each player has been chosen by that coach, and um, so it's uh, why, why would you not play them, right? Right. So as you progress beyond the academy, now going into the select levels, um, as a player progresses, and you guys do have different tiers of levels of teams, if a player is doing really well mid-season, will you promote them to another team because of progression they have made? Or let them, you talk about guest playing to see how they do with that squad, to see if they mix and gel, because that's, part of the problem of players not gelling they will never succeed on that team or even if it's a different coach do you guys do that or is it just within your own squads that you guys coach yeah no they'll definitely um have opportunities to guest play and in tournaments and certain things like that but we don't want to take away um from at the end of the day those that 10 months you've you've made a commitment to not only your coach, Rob, you've made that commitment for those 10 months to those players. So sometimes, you know, you're in Classic League Division 2 and you're, you're fighting for say, fighting for promotion and you've got a player that that maybe now in those couple of years can fit into, um, you know, your, di- your Division 1 team, but you take him off the Division 2 team, now maybe they're going to struggle and not be as much for promotion. So we don't want to midway through the season completely change that roster um now if there's opportunity comes where they're playing at different times or um or tournaments and and getting them or training even where if they train at different days and they can still train with those players there's lots of opportunities but to kind of take them off that roster in the middle in the middle of the season is, is is not not what we'll do though their main priority for that 10 months will be their team and if every time they have a game then they're expected to be at that game. But if there's other opportunities for um, for for more playing time in in other areas, then then albeit. But we don't want to, you know, because if you're a, if you're a parent on that black team and suddenly your best players moved on and you're about to get promoted and now you lose the next two games and you don't, then you know, there's there's a bigger picture to all of it, right? Right. So you want to you want to commit to that to that team and. Um, um, and then once the 10 months is up and we kind of collectively as coaches of that age group will will get together and talk and kind of go out with the plan of you know what what 
what you think's best for that player then for that next year. Um, so the good thing is it's every 10 months you can really kind of evaluate and, and, and get to change it here and there. But um, middle of the season to completely change it is, is, is very rare, really. To kind of echo what, what Ben's talking about there, really, I mean, the once once the teams reach that select level, um, you know, the keeping the, the philosophy of, of it being a collective, even amongst all the teams within the age group, um, all player movement between teams, it just really has to make sense. And we never want to leave a team unbalanced because then the perception of it all becomes, oh, the only team that truly matters is the gold team. And and that's not the case. I mean, it's 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 one of the things where I mean, even even within the 2014s, it's it, it'd be the happiest day of my life if the black team was just as good as the gold team that I have or the white team was in the same division. If one of them won whatever league we were in over me, I would be happy because that means that, you know, the development process really does truly work. So, um, you know, a, a lot of it does, you know, just again, it, it has to just make total sense. And, and, and we never want to leave a team unbalanced and, and, you know, have that perception be that only one team within the age group matters because truly all the teams matter. That's that's awesome to hear. Now, do you guys have players that play up? I, I know being around soccer enough now, I hear there's a lot of players that play up, sometimes two years up, um, even within the large academies. I mean, there, you hear about um, players that gone on to be pros that have played years up because their talent level is there. Do you make exceptions for that? Do you guys have it within your own club? Or do you guys really recommend age purity for teams? Uh, yeah, no, we, we have, uh, we, we, we have some players that, that play up. Um, I'm not really sure after the select level, how, how often those cases are, but really, I think, uh, uh, the opportunities to play up more present themselves for us within practices. Um, I'll use, for example, there's a, I can't, I always forget whether he's a 2011 or a 2010, but his older brother plays on my 2008 team. Um, and he comes out and practices with us. And even though he's two years younger, he can definitely still compete and, and hang with those boys during practices. And, uh, um, you know, I love being able to have the opportunity to give him that chance to, to you know, one, not only practice four times a week, but get two of those training sessions with an older age group where, you know, he's required to move a little bit quicker. But, uh, yeah, I think that opportunity is there. Um, ben, on the select side, do we have any kiddos that are playing up right now? Yeah, that, that, there's a few. Um, I think... I think it always comes down to just, you know, there's no right or wrong way, right? I think it always just comes down. You've got to look at the individual and, and see what's what's best for them. I think, you know, if you're going to play, some players want to play up and be on, you know, say you're a 2011 and you're on the gold team 2011 and you're playing in the top leagues at 2011, but, oh, I want to play up and be on the bottom 2012 team. It, doesn't make sense to me for that you know yes it might be a little bit more physical more athletic but you know the whole kind of concept of the game and um decision making and pace of the game kind of isn't isn't there so i think every every decision is is gonna have to be based on on the player and we we have had players play a year or, t or two up and um i think really what what we've done in the past is everyone usually stays pretty age pure and now we'll we'll have opportunities to to guest play or um in tournaments with with older teams and um i think that always seems to work best because you know they always come up with their age group and and they're always you know if you have a really good player at 
one age group that that now wants to go into a another age and you know why not kind of have him at, on your team where you can kind of develop and and get better and then guest play them for these for these older teams um so you know there's there's, there's many different different ways in going about it and we try and we try and expose them to to playing different different age groups i know our 2010s 2011s and 09s all kind of chop and change and, and train with each other at certain times to to be able to um you know play with different ages and stuff um and challenge each other but um you know consistently it's it's mainly i'd say age pure and then it's the guest play that that really kind of gives them gives them that opportunity to to play up and challenge them really that that follows up my next question do you guys will take let's take jordan your 2014 would you ever put them up in a 2013 bracket and league play and see how they do if they're really dominating their league play or would you leave them down a level and let them or find a new league to go play in yeah no i i I think it would be totally dependent upon how dominant we were in league i mean you know to be honest with you if it was one of those ones where i was winning i was winning my league and i was winning every single game going undefeated I'd probably go up and go up an age group. Um, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I love winning, but you know, if it's one of those ones where I'm looking at the games and I'm going, man, you know, my boys aren't being challenged, you know, definitely that, that switch would happen really quickly. I think, I think what it speaks to really is just more, you know, are they being challenged or not? And if they're not being challenged, then, you know, definitely why not? If that, if there, if there's no other avenues to pursue, then, you know, go up an age group and see how they do there. Um, but, uh, but no, I'm, you know, if, if, uh, if they're not dominant within their own age group, you know, it, it's one of those ones where it doesn't, doesn't make sense to do so. Right. You're, and I'm you're pretty, we're pretty lucky in, in Dallas where, I mean, it's, it's a really competitive soccer <laughs> place, right? Where, you know, I think it's maybe certain tournaments with lower numbers and stuff you can play up, but I mean, they're really, if you, if you look hard enough in that Dallas area, there's competitive leagues in your age group and in, in pretty much wherever wherever you go and whatever team you have it's uh you know we're, we're lucky to be in dallas where you can you can find competition pretty pretty much all year round um oh yeah every corner on every block there's a tournament going on where exactly. man there's competition <laughs> on your side of town and fort worth not so lucky <laughs> oh yeah, really i don't feel like 2013 teams i can name i'm in keller and i can name probably all five coaches that coach this age group so i think there's a total of I have to think about it. So there's for 2013, I can name them for all the big clubs on this side of town. When you start getting to the smaller sides, I struggle. But I think we might have a total of seven teams he could, my son could play for if he decided to continue playing up. If he goes back to age of 2014, I think there's, I think there's five or six teams. That's within, wow. a, within a 20 minute drive. That's uh, yeah, it, it, a bit different to to where we are for sure. <laughs> Man, I'm um, kidding. Uh, I didn't realize how blessed we were. So, do you guys use technology within your club from GPS tracking units to like the touches that go, the mechanism that goes on your heel to the camera systems? And if you do, how do you guys use them? And what do you guys do? Yeah, I think. We don't we don't have a, a certain policy on that, um, you know, because every team, every coach is, is slightly different, and 
And at the end of the day, it's kind of down to the team if they want a camera or not. Now, obviously, it's extra added cost and added things like that. So we we, we really leave it down to um, to the team. Now, that being said, in Select, I'd say the majority of our teams do have the camera system. Um, you know, and we don't have one Select. We have we have Trace, we have Vio, we have other ones that, that people use. So, because... Um, at the end of the day, we've 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 gone into to talks for for different contracts for different ones, but you know co- our coaches prefer different ones. Are you know some prefer trace that it can automatically do the highlights straight away for them. Some prefer the viewing and the picture on VO, and so um, it, it's very different for for us. So we we we've talked about you know having a one one size fits all for the club, but we just think that. You know, it's very hard to ask and demand more money from parents, right? So if it's something that they don't want, then, um, you know, we don't want to be able to be putting that on them now. I know most most parents do and a lot of our clubs do, but we kind of leave it down to the coach and team managers to, to organise that. And, and I help and, and we've got all the research that, that we do and have the different, you know, you ask kind of what do you want out of it? Um, but yeah, as far as video systems, that's that's popular anything else uh you know i I don't think's really needed at at this age and i don't i don't think we have any any teams that have the gps or anything like that do we jordan uh well do it depends do we have any of the teams with trace um i will say that one year my 08s had trace and you know my 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 opinion on the on the video systems is um I, i i don't think the the benefit is there until they're at an age where you know that you you can capture their focus for a full film session. Um, I think when my 08s had it, I think we were a year early on on having a video system that uh, that that could be used beneficially for you know those video sessions, which as a coach would be the biggest thing I think I'd use it for. Um, but uh, but the the thing I liked about Trace was that you know it 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 separated the highlights very elaborately. Um, you know from the coach's point of view, I had access to every shot on goal every shot against us, uh, phases of play, passes connected, um, players, you know, with the chip that they had on, they had access to every time they touched the ball. Um, you know, they, they could separate their own individual highlights. So I don't know. I mean, like for me, I, I think, I think it's a great thing. And I think for, for my 08s in particular, we're more than likely going to move back to having a video system going into this upcoming year. Um, just because getting highlights together for those college recruitment videos is going to be a really nice thing for us to offer. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, the, the later years and my, my thought process would be, it's more than likely something that, that should be seen, um, you know, in the younger age groups, I think it's, it's more down to the team, down to the coach. Okay. I, I, I personally like cameras. I mean, my son and I can sit down and watch full soccer games now. Um, but I feel like I have a unique kid and he can sit there and watch the whole game glued to the field. And telling us what they're doing wrong, and this is a, a nine-year-old saying like he didn't overlap, he didn't, he didn't do the one touch, he didn't pass it at the right moment, and seeing it live that really changed it for us. And having video feedback because with Blue Skies you have Live Barn, and he, we would sit down and watch his games, and we would only get a few minute clips in, and that's all I cared about was showing him something that I thought he did really well with and something that he might want to look at and try improving on 
And this is the kid that learned saying when he played on the small fields at Blue Sky, the wall was his fifth, fifth, his fifth player. And he learned where players had to be standing on the wall by watching his video. I'm telling my kid's a unique kid. He's not a normal kid. That's amazing. But, but having that type of child already, and I mean, now he's into other things on top of just soccer, but having a kid that loves the sport and loves breaking things down and being analytical with it, having video as a parent is huge. And like the games I have recorded on my phone, cause this team doesn't have a, a camera system. Um, we'll sit there and talk about like, what do you think you did here? What do you think you were doing? Well, like how should your body have been? And he gets it now. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, no, I think I do think it's team by team, you know, and, and coach by coach as well, honestly, because some coaches, they just, they're not, as comfortable with it, I think, and that's something where, and parents with the cost, right? It always comes down to the cost of it as well, and and what a coach wants to do to to get out of, you know, do they want to lose a field, an opportunity to get out on the field and use a film? So everyone's different and how they do it, but um, I, I think it's definitely got its benefit, the, the camera side of it for sure, especially even just for coaches to to go and watch back because you're so involved in the game sometimes aren't you that <laughs> you don't see everything so to be able to go back and watch it and then be able to plan your training sessions accordingly is always a always a good help yeah absolutely and ian honestly hats off to your kiddo that is that is incredible how how into the game he is and and the love he has for it as well i mean that is uh that is like you said it is unique and and man, I mean, it's, uh, that's just, that's so exciting. Like it gives me goosebumps just to think about, um, you know, I have one of my 14s the other day scored a goal. Um, and it was the kind of goal where uh, I turned to my assistant coach and I, I told him, I, we've never practiced that before. Um, he cut inside and shot across his body. And it was kind of one of those moments where, you know, as a coach that the only reason that player did that is because he's watched the game. So the fact that you say that your kiddo is is, is so enamored in the game and, and he's he's glued to it every time he's at the field and every time he's watching it, I can only imagine the stuff that he applies just from watching the game. You know what I mean? Not not the stuff that he, he's taught or that he practices on a daily basis, but just the things that he sees. And, oh, man, that's just incredible. And, and I feel like a lot of it is he's had good coaches along the way, and I feel like I have to give props. I mean – We've had the means to have give him the opportunity to have co private coaching. I mean, when he started, and this is one of my favorite stories, because my son, when he went from rec soccer to club soccer, cried every single game because the physicality of the game changed. And we had to teach hire someone to teach him how to use his body. And this is how mm -hmm. his drive started, I feel. And we hired someone to teach him how to do 50-50 for a ball. How did, now he's teaching him how to use an iron an iron bar properly to fight for the ball to fight for the ball, and mm. he got called for having an arm extension this week, like shoving, like no, like <laughs> he had an iron bar, like he's actually doing it right. He's fighting for the ball, protecting the ball, and it's funny watching it. And as a parent, I get a lot of joy out of it because I love watching my kid both my kids do what they love. Like my daughter will sit here and do gymnastics. We have a little bar for her and she'll sit here and do her gymnastics on the bar and her flips on the bar. And I think that's what's in, I think that's what I'm looking at. I was looking at your website. You guys have street soccer. I'm assuming it's truly street soccer. They all come in, they pick teams and they go out and play. And I feel yeah. 
that is what's truly missing in our society. How can these kids learn to do what you just talked about of crossing the ball across their body if they've never seen it and never tried it in a non-game-like experience? That's kind of that's kind of the biggest thing. We 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 sat down kind of as as coaches and just we were kind of just talking about you know how how do we learn the game? How do we play the game? And you know, I mean, for me, it was you know in the playground at, at lunchtime we'd play every single day for an hour we play after school for about an hour every single day and you just it's just not in the society and the culture over here and i think looking at it from kind of from a step back everything's so organized and um you know the sessions always are so kind of organized and the coaching side of it, which is which is not a bad thing but there's there's really takes away from players to be able to just go out and express themselves and have no pressure and just try things. Right. Right. Um, so that's kind of the whole basis of what street soccer was for us to be able to have an opportunity for now. We do. And there's players of all ages, you know, you have, we have players from young four, well, I think it's five or six year olds come out and sometimes they're paired with, you know, the eight, nine year olds. So that's good for them sometimes. And, um, you know, we just, yeah, kind of play small side and just let them play. And it's hard. We did it yesterday, actually. So I was out there yesterday and <laughs> you really try not to say anything and try not to coach and just kind of keep your mouth shut, which is which is always a good challenge for me. But um, nah, it's it. I think they all enjoy it coming out here and it's a it's a cool thing. And it's, it's actually open for anybody, not just Aces players, and it's free of charge and anyone can kind of come out there. And, um, and it's just a good opportunity as a... A bit more organized and just going down to the park but it's much more of it's that's kind of the the whole goal of it is to um just just let them play and and, and enjoy it so that's that's truly what's missing i heard um a really great quote recently from talking with someone and they said what's wrong with american soccer is that we're not playing um i'm going to paraphrase it sound like the words <laughs> we're not pc <laughs> But they weren't played in the poorest part of the communities. They weren't played at the parks everywhere. They were not played like they used basketball because basketball is played everywhere. There's a basketball. There's a hoop. There's a court or blacktop somewhere. Kids are playing basketball. We don't have soccer like that here in the United States. We don't have kids going down to the park and playing soccer like they do playing backyard football with their friends. And that's what they were saying is that's what we're missing in our society and they said they ultimately said pointed the fingers at the clubs it's their jobs to figure out how to do this there it's there's only so much if they want to make soccer the best thing here in the world in the united states and stop losing players to football to american football to baseball to basketball they really need to make it very accessible for kids to learn just to play at a park at any age and we'll start seeing the sport grow yeah, I really appreciated that quote from that guy, and I'm like, huh. <laughs> like you're onto something here. Um, and you guys are obviously doing that from the sounds of it. Yeah, that leads into you guys have camps throughout the summer and school year, then or clinics, whatever you want to call them. Yes, yeah, we do kind of all all kind of school holidays and stuff. We'll we'll have uh, we'll have camps and we do um, clinics as well as kind of street soccer and free clinics throughout the year where. Um, usually Sundays is when, when we kind of do the free clinics and stuff and just to kind of get an opportunity for, for people to come out and, and see the facility and, and get some, 
get some sessions um, by Aces coaches. But um, yeah, no, all, all of our camps and and clinics and street soccer is all welcome for for anyone at, at all levels and um, at any any clubs really. Anyone's allowed to just come out free of charge and um, just looking for to try and get people to to get out and, and enjoy the game and it's it's only going to grow right and the more they play the 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 better it is for for everybody and um yeah 2026 is coming soon so it should be i'm, I'm sure it's just going to continue to grow and i'm hoping the sport will will get there one day where it, where it overtakes all other sports and i think it's it is slowly getting there so but i think yeah you're right about that that pick up ba- like pick up basketballs everywhere, even in gyms, right? Pick up basketballs everywhere, right? So maybe having more facilities and more more areas of, of backyard. You know, in, in England you have these little parks and instead of the co- the basketball courts it's these little indoor like little concrete walls and um they're pretty cheap to make but they're almost at, at every park now in England that you can you can go out and see and yeah. You don't have that here, unfortunately, but no. maybe, maybe one day it will. Maybe one day it will. Yeah, there's no urban soccer parks here. Nah, not quite. Guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did listening and recording it and re-listening to it again. I hope you guys enjoy where they talk about technology and their club and the direction they're moving. Now, as we get ready for episode three, which is next week, I hope you guys will check in next week. I break these up so it's a little bit faster to listen to, I feel. And if you guys want to binge them, you guys can. Or, unfortunately, if you're listening to it live every week, you'll have to wait a week. But this way you guys can try to catch them in the car more easily. So that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Until we chat again, I'll see you at the pitch.